I'm Amanda Wagner. And I'm Liz Pittman. And this is the Amanda Wagner Podcast. This podcast is the place for born leaders who are hungry to do something big, something that matters, and who are tired of waiting for an invitation to change the world. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges of bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically, and we share our experiences as women with impatient ambition. The world has enough fluff. This is your invitation to bring your worth to the world and do something that matters. This is episode 25, our final episode of 2020, and we have something special in store for you. Typically in these episodes, I come up with the topic, Liz and I talk about it, we come up with a loose outline, and today Liz is going back into journalism mode and she is going to be hosting an interview. I haven't seen the questions yet. I have a bit of an idea of what we're talking about. We're going to reflect on the last year, but I did not wear mascara. I've got Kleenex close and I am letting Liz lead us today. So with that, here's LP. We were just talking before we hit record about how usually we have all of our prep open and we would each have our script and Amanda's feeling pretty naked over there, I think. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, I'm only looking at you. I only have my mic in front of me. I'm holding my pen as though I have to make notes, even though there are no notes to make. This is off the cuff and I'm very excited for it. So I really want to talk about the year that was. This was a big year for many different reasons, but this was the year where AW launched. This 2020 has been... uh, has been a heck of a journey. And so I want to start things off on a big positive note. And it's a really big question to come out of the gates with AW, but I would love to know the highlight. If you have to think about the last 12 months, what has been the best part of it with creating the AW brand? That is a big question. I think the highlight, I mean, the obvious answer is that I did it. The highlight is that it's still going. I am growing. I am being consistent about it. The idea of being known for something has really connected with people. And that's important to me. That is what I set out to do. And a little while ago, you posted on Instagram something about fame and that I wanted fame. And I got some some heat for it. But I also got people going, finally, she gets it. I have someone on my team who gets it. And so I would say that the highlight for me happened just a little while ago when we finally started talking about fame and claiming your spotlight and somebody that I didn't know messaged us and said, when you said, I am not afraid of your big dream, I got goosebumps. And that was so very special to me. We've been doing the podcast now for, this is our 25th episode. So we've covered a lot. We've had some really interesting conversations. You've answered some wonderful WWAWD questions from our wonderful listeners. I feel like this is a little bit like choosing your favorite child, but I'd love to know what was your favorite episode out of the last 25. I would love to choose my favorite child. One of my favorite episodes is where we talk about envy and professional envy. Um, Me too. Me too. Oh, okay. This is very interesting. And 
I could look back at the stats and tell you what our best performing episode is, but that episode is one that was so interesting to talk about because I feel like I really pulled the curtain back and said, I feel this, I cannot be the only one. And that is definitely one of my favorites to have put out in the world. Personally, my other favorite episode is getting to share the story of when I got laid off because the number of people that came out of the woodwork and said, I understand, I feel this, I've been there. I've kind of become the go-to person. And I, I definitely have people who will reach out, whether I know them or not, and say, hey, I joined your club, what do I do now? And I really like that. I really like that, it's special to me. Those would be my favorites. Do you recommend one of them over the other? Do you have a most recommended that you'll often say, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, start with this one? Oh, great question. For me, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, I would say start with start with the professional envy and perfection, like perfection and anxiety. And I believe it's titled Anxious Perfectionism. That's another one that I think people really get to the core of who I am. And it helps them figure out if if I'm their person or not, if I'm somebody that you you kind of include in your team. This year had a lot of surprises, to say the least. And a lot of the surprises were not positive. But I would love to know what the happiest surprise was for you over the last year. Anything that delighted you and you weren't expecting it to? I think what delighted me two things number one how much more quickly I bounce back that resilience piece has pleasantly surprised me because there are many opportunities where it would have been easier to quit it would have on paper been easier to walk away and so it surprised me that things that I think three years ago would have crushed me Now I'm like, oh, that sucks. All right, next thing. Let's keep going. Let's figure it out. Let's work it out. Um, I think the second thing that was the biggest delight to me is that we actually got our tattoos. That is something we have joked about since we started working together, which was over two years ago. And I was absolutely delighted that in this year, you and I were able to spend some real time together and really mark the occasion. It is looking at the date. We're just a couple days away from when we first sat down to podcast together. And I hold those, those dates and this time very, very close to my heart. Uh, to our listeners, a, a, a little anecdote about AW. She came to see me uh, a little while ago. And my office also happens to be the guest bedroom, AKA Amanda's room is what it's called. Yes. In our house. <laughs> uh, and so I have my desk in here um, with my big desk calendar on it. And I flipped to this month and there was already written on my calendar, the date of our recording anniversary, because that's just the kind of person AW is. is those dates are so meaningful to her that I so appreciated her adding that to my calendar as well, uh, because it's a special day. And yeah, and we got our tattoos this year. And, and this is a really big part of this, the time that we spend together. Liz, get out of my room. 
<laughs> Come clean your room, please. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> it's filthy in here, young lady. Um, <laughs> okay, I love the answer of, of the, the delightful surprise. I would, I would love to know, you know, you talked about how you delighted yourself and how you bounced back and how you've dealt with things. Is that what you're most proud of this year? If you look back and, and you think about the decisions that you made, what makes you the most proud? What makes me the most proud is that I have been personally terrified of saying some of the things that I've said in public. For example, talking about how I want fame, talking about building a legacy. I am most proud that I said out loud to strangers that I want to be at the scale of Oprah. And I'm proud of it because I come from a wonderful family of people who make do, as we call it. And I remember my sister asking me, like, how did you learn or where did you learn to not just make do? And we talked about this on the podcast, this idea of when is good enough, not good enough. And I am, I am most proud that... I'm still going and it's only getting juicier. I'm getting clearer on what I want. I'm sharing it more. And it, it has to do with that resiliency again. If people aren't into it, that's okay. It's not going to break my heart anymore. When you say those big things, you talk about what you want. You talk about your big goals and what you're after. Kind of a scary thing. Mm-hmm. What gives you the courage? I just have my eyes on the prize. And I don't think of myself as a courageous person. I don't think of myself as a brave person, but I take the advice I that I, oh, really? Okay. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but I just, and I feel like our listeners would, would agree. You never have to apologize for interrupting to compliment me. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> I use this language in the, my clients where I say, you just need 10 minutes of bravery. Can you be brave for 10 minutes? And I don't think that you have to have this unwavering confidence all the time to do something scary. I think for 10 minutes, you have to be brave. And it's all just little chunks of 10 minutes of bravery added on top of each other. I kind of forgot. I think that's, I, that's okay. No, I think that's a wonderful answer and a great perspective. Just put those little pieces to get together and you'll get there. Right. And I, I can do, I can do brave for 10 minutes. When I think about, can I be brave for the rest of my life? I'm like, whoa, that's too big. Let's like slow down here, but I can do something for 10 minutes. I can be brave for 10 minutes. It's just little pieces. And in a lot of the work that I've done with coach Jenny, she talks about how action comes before confidence. If I'm waiting for confidence, it might not happen as fast as I want to. Uh, as I want it to happen. But for me, I am so clear on what I want. And I am a feisty, hungry person who has this just watch me feeling. And I'm certainly not doing this to prove people wrong. I'm very much doing it for me. But I'm so pleased that everything I've done up to this point 
has been a, a conscious decision. It has been something I have chosen to do. I've said yes, or I've said no, which means that I've had to say yes or no to other things. But this year I really said, no, I'm, I'm going to make it happen. And I, I put my foot on the gas. This is a two-part question. What is a favorite thing you've learned about yourself this year? And what's a favorite thing you've learned not about yourself, whether it's about another person or about the world around you? What my favorite thing I have learned about myself is that for me, there is no such thing as enough. There will not be a point where I check all the boxes and go, great, I did everything. Now I can rest and it's over. That's just not me. It's not who I am. And I even sort of see that in, in my parents, just in their approach to retirement. I'm like, you're the worst retired people. You're busier than I am. And we like to, to do things. And so for me, the most important thing I've learned about myself is that if I am waiting to magically say, check mark, accomplish that goal, then, then what happens? That's not enough for me. And eventually I want to do the onstage Ted talk and, and the topic that I'm working on, I'm, I'm comfortable sharing this out loud. Um, if someone steals this, I will be a little bit upset. But the number one thing that I would love to talk about is that making it doesn't exist. The myth of making it. And as I've started writing this talk and practicing it and using some of this language, I say, if, if making it was a thing, Beyonce would have quit after Destiny's Child. And Bruce Springsteen would have quit after Born to Run. Because by all intents and purposes, they made it. They had the money, they had the legacy, they had the fame, they were set and they didn't stop. And I remember saying that at a talk once, Bruce Springsteen is very, a, a close figure to us. And I, I said this at a talk and my wonderful friend and cafe owner, Lindsay, put on Born to Run when I finished and kind of walked off stage and I just wept. I was like, yes baby, we're born to run. And it just got something in my soul. And, and I don't think making it is a thing. And I find that so freaking comforting. And my favorite thing I've learned overall, I think it's that we're allowed to change our minds. I am so rigid. I am a black and white thinker. And I spent 20 years wanting to be a teacher. And so when I stopped traditionally teaching in public school, it felt like I was betraying that somehow. And it no longer feels like a betrayal because at my core, I am a teacher and I am still teaching. I'm just doing it in a different way. And so my, my favorite thing I've learned is I, I can change my mind and what other people think of me is none of my business. It doesn't mean I don't get caught comparing myself, but it does mean that it, it stings less. It, it hurts for less time. I recover faster. And I'm really taking that with me into the next year. Give me three words to describe how 10-year-old you would feel about you today. The joke answer is that 10 year old me would say, 
How do you look younger in your 30s than you did in the photo of yourself as a nine-year-old? Um, three words that my, my 10-year-old self would say. My 10-year-old self would be astonished. Why? I never imagined myself doing this, even though it was something I always wanted. I didn't know it could be real. Um, I think... I think the stories that we hear of, of people who make it and become famous, build a legacy in this space of thought leadership, my, my 10 year old self didn't know that this was something that could have been real. It's like that happens to other people, not to me, not to me, like middle-class upbringing, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, so 10-year-old self would be astonished. I think 10-year-old self, Amanda, would, would say brave. I think 10-year-old me would say that I'm brave. And I think 10-year-old self, this isn't, this isn't one word, but 10-year-old self would probably say, like, it's okay to be sensitive. Like every person growing up that was like, you're too sensitive, you're too soft, you have to toughen up, you're never going to, like, you got to pick yourself up. I think 10 year old self would be like, wow, you're sensitive and you're doing something really scary. And isn't that beautiful? You didn't have to change who you are to be able to have this big thing that you want. Great question. Thank you. I think that that's a lovely answer too, that it's okay to be soft and to feel the feelings and to feel them all and feel them strongly. And that's Okay. And that's your power too, right? It's to bring those feelings into what you do, I think is, is part of your power. I feel so intensely, like I'm a feeler. Um, I feel hard and, and that means I, I react, I'm emotional. And, and you and I have, have talked briefly about crying at work. And I think that's definitely a, a topic for another time, but I'm really okay with being a crier. I'm glad I'm a feeler. I think it makes me good mm -hmm. at what I do. Yeah, I, uh, it's funny. I, I was just thinking about this yesterday. Uh, I'm, I too am a very emotional person. And I, had, I tweeted yesterday, shout out to my therapist for having the softest Kleenex that money can buy. She's the real MVP. And someone replied to my tweet, I'm so sorry that you had an emotional therapy session. And I was like, Pfft. All of my uh, therapy sessions are emotional. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm sorry. I think you mean congratulations. Also, I like, I, your therapist yeah. with the great Kleenex. This is a scheduled 60-minute cry. This is why I go to therapy. Anyway. <laughs> when you were there, I yeah. sent you a text and was like, I hope your face is red and your eyes are tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a good cry. Uh, anyway, this, this is not about me, but I, I do am. Um, I'm an emotional person and I, I feel all the feelings. I, uh, AW, I would love to know what's the best advice you received this year? It's hard to step away from like cliches and kind of trite platitudes. I'm looking around at my desk at, at post-it notes and things I've written down. And I know it's, it's such a succinct, like short question that has probably a complex answer. Right. I think one of the best pieces of advice. And I can't tell you who I heard it from. I can tell you that it's definitely something I'm, I'm passing on. I have a post-it note for the future written down here was really around how you don't have to define yourself based on your relationship to others. 
And the reason that's juicy is because I happen to be married to somebody. I may happen to have a child if I choose that. But for me, my gravestone is not going to say wife and mother. I refuse. I don't want to, and I don't have to define myself in relation to other people. I get to, I get to be my own and, and it still feels platitude -y and this is one of those moments where I'm like, oh, damn, I wish I, I wish I had prepped, but it's, it's because I've had so many other, so many great things shared with me that I'm to come down to the core is really hard. So this idea that I don't have to define myself and I don't have to apologize. I think that has helped me keep going this year. This is a, this next question is a conversation that you and I have often. And usually it's a conversation that we have when it's getting to be too late. How did you take care of yourself this year? And did you take enough care of yourself? I took care of myself this year with lots of sleep. I took care of myself Initially in the pandemic, I took care of myself by creating a lot of routines and a lot of habits. And I was like, I'm going to exercise every single day and did it. And then I realized this isn't working. I took care of myself by calling in the experts. I called in the coach. I called in the therapist. Um, I called in a nutritionist because I needed some help. And I think the best way I've taken care of myself, I'm very lucky, Robin and I have a wonderful working relationship, um, which, which sounds like we're colleagues. Uh, we have a wonderful working relationship in the sense that we've both worked really well from home together and we are each other's person to say, hey, am I allowed to stop working today? Here's what I've done. Can you tell me that it's enough? So for me, I've, I've been sleeping, I've been reading, and did I take enough? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And this year I didn't take July off. Typically I do. And I didn't do it. Full disclosure, financially, I couldn't do it. Work was, was coming my way and I needed the work. I needed the money. And, and so I kept going. So I would say this year I've maybe taken two weeks off in the span of four days here, three days here, a long weekend here, and I need more time. So what I'm working on now is what do I have to do now to make sure that 2021 looks a little bit different? Because you're absolutely right. It was too late. And for me, self-care is so much more than like, let's go get a pedicure. Um, if that was the answer, we'd all be caring for ourselves every four weeks at the nail salon. That's not it. And so I need more rest. And I know that. And I still have to figure that out. It's a process. And you rely on your people. You rely on Robin. You rely on me. Mm -hmm. uh, to help you have permission when you need it, right? Correct. Yeah, I kind of have my core folks that that when it's too much, you definitely get the crying phone call, the crying FaceTime, the, hey, I need you to tell me that I will be better if I rest. 
our fries and cries, which we've talked about on a previous episode of podcast. Love fries yeah. and cries. I, uh, I'm curious. I want to talk about friendships a little bit. This is something we've talked about in passing on the podcast, but I, I kind of want to dig in a little bit more. You've mentioned, I don't know if on the podcast or maybe just to me, sometimes the lines are blurred about seasons of friendship and, and how different seasons for different relationships kind of, kind of peek through depending upon what your needs are. And I'm curious if or how your relationships have changed this last year, depending upon what you need or maybe how you communicate with others. You know, we're all communicating differently now. What does that look like for you? You're right that my friendships have changed. I can say that there hasn't been any explosion or implosion of of my friendships, but I would definitely say that my two core friendships, you and Danielle, have just solidified themselves even though they've changed. So my my two my two best people, I use the word ninas, Danielle is my nina. Um, my two ninas don't live here. And so, yes, the pandemic is is one part of it. I don't have the same friendships that I used to. It's not, we're not able to say, hey, let's hang out on the couch and watch TV. Let's go somewhere. Um, it's definitely not the same. So, yes, my friendships have become seasonal in the sense of some have gotten stronger and some have gotten a little bit looser. I heard this beautiful phrase. My wonderful friend Carrie said, I would rather have four quarters than 10 dimes. And I am somebody who, who wants and who has four quarters. I have three very deep, very strong, big friendships. And I will take that over 10 dimes any day. So hearing I that language, love, sorry, I'm oh, sorry. I know I saw uh, your face. I, you have to share. I love that so much. What a beautiful way of putting that. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing that I've heard in a while. Right. And what I just, I love that. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Shout out to Karen. Four, four quarters over 10 dimes has maybe that's the best piece of advice I've heard. When I left your place in October, I intentionally left you the book, Big Friendship. And we will link to this in the show notes. This is a book that I cried my way through because my two best friends don't live in my city. And that has been very challenging. And to not be able to visit them in the same way is, is very hard. And one of the, I pulled out the book because there's one line, there's about a million pages that have been folded over. But one line here says, there is no autopilot mode for a big friendship. You just have to keep showing up. Active friendships require active maintenance. You don't get to sit back, do nothing, and enjoy the benefits of a meaningful relationship, of any relationship. Action is especially important to friendship. If you don't take action to mark it as important and keep it alive, the friendship will not survive. And I really believe that I take action in my friendships. Yeah, you do. I haven't got to that part of the book yet, and now I'm crying. (laughs) It's on page 192. It's good. It's good, juicy stuff. 
um, the people that I have fallen out of friendship with are the people who are less active. And let's be honest, we might just have less in common. It's become harder for me to, to talk with people who, who have dwindling or a lack of ambition. It's just where I'm at in my life and I'm learning to be okay with that. So my four quarters are, are my core. And I'm really happy about that. That's where I put my energy and attention with my friendships. Now that you have Kleenex in your hand, we might as well just keep rolling. We've talked a lot about the big, wonderful, positive things of this year, but I I want, you know, we need a a full reflection. And we started off the episode with the highlight. I want to talk low light. When you think back on your experiences of the last 12 months, what sticks out to you as, as something that didn't go the way you needed it to? I thought everything would move faster than it did. And it didn't. I took on a, an entire second business and I think I underestimated the work that that would be because I am still running the compliment. The compliment is the main source of income. I know that the podcast, the Instagram, anything that we're sharing right now through the Amanda Wagner isn't a revenue generator. And this is, it's not sponsored. It's not paid for. In fact, it's something that like Liz is somebody who works with me. I have hired you to do this work. So, um, so it has been, it has been financially challenging. It has been challenging in the sense of the workload. Um, definitely one of the lowlights. And, and I have to laugh because I've said like, this hater doesn't bother me, but I got a really mean hater. And yes, I have bounced back. Yes, I can laugh about it. Yes, we can talk about people projecting. But when somebody points out some of the things you are most insecure about, it really hits you. So um, I think we've rolled with the punches in some beautiful ways here. I remember when um, when we first started talking about like systemic racism as a society and Black Lives Matter and Blackout Tuesday, it was a no-brainer for us to go, nobody needs to hear from us right now. Cut the podcast, cut the social. This is not what matters. Let's elevate other voices. So I think that being really strong in, in our brand and our values helped us make some of those choices that could have been hard, not hard at all. We, we just live in a, in, a noisy, in a noisy place. So I think one of the, the big challenges has been how do we add to the space without adding noise and to keep going when you feel like it's all been done before. When Mel Robbins talks about perfectionism, she talks about how the real goal of a perfectionist is that you think if everything's perfect, you're immune from criticism. And you will never be immune from criticism. And so the highlight is learning that. The low light is going, oh, shit, I have to confront that now. Overall, I would say that the, the low lights on the big scale have been, have been minimal. I'm very lucky, very strategic and thoughtful, and I have great people on my team that let me claim my spotlight. What is firing you up right now? thinking about the next year, moving into 2021, when you have got your grand plans and your big schemes and your lists that I know are on your desk, what are you thinking about that totally energizes you? 
right now I am energized by changing where my feet are. So I'm, I'm pulling my foot off the gas of the compliment and I'm putting it onto Amanda Wagner. I'm thinking if I could do this this year, what can I do next year? What can I do now that I have another year of experience under my belt? I've got a year of podcasting under my belt. I know who my core team members are. The financial stability is coming. I'm in a place where I'm going, if I could do that on, on that little energy, that chaos, imagine what I can do next year. And physically what lights me up is I've got a beautiful pen and a brand new desk calendar that everybody calls my granny calendar because I carry this big honking paper thing around with me because I love it. And I have a new granny calendar that is just ripe to be written in. So I, I'm really excited to look at that. Something that keeps me hungry and terrifies me is the idea of writing a book. And I say it's the idea of writing a book because I started and I stalled. And I never will underestimate the amount of work writing a book is because of course it's a ton of work and it is pretty thankless work. But I'm really, in the last couple of weeks, my tune has changed. I'm no longer thinking about writing a book. I'm writing a book. And that means I'm writing. And so that is firing me up because I'm seeing little moments of proof where somebody needs to hear what I have to say. When people come out of the woodwork and say, you said this thing and it stuck with me. That drives me. That keeps me hungry. It tells me I'm not just shouting into the void. I'm really hungry to look back in a year. And that's part of the reason that we decided to do this episode was I want to hear, I want to capture where I'm at one year in so that five years in I can go, oh, what a transformation. That's keeping me hungry. And when the insecurities creep up or the work seems really hard or you get stuck with writing the book, how do you fight through that? Is it thinking about what the payoff will be? Or how do you, how do you bust through those, those walls that sometimes build up in front of you? I take my own advice, which is when I work with clients who either face the fear or are tired of thinking about something and don't know what to do, I go through all the yeah buts. I call them the yeah buts. What are all the excuses I have? Are any of those excuses good enough to keep me from the goal? I'm an eye on the prize person. Like, where is this going to take me? What would it mean if I got this book out in 2021 versus 2025? What could it let me do if I did it faster? And my job right now is to, to shorten the runway from preparing to take off to actually flying. I want to shorten that runway and I'm, I'm taking off. As we draw near the end of this episode, I want to think back to episode one. Episode one was the introduction to the two of us. And we talked about don't ask, don't get or D-A-D-G. And it does filter through and peek its head out in most of our episodes. But I would love to know, AW, what was the last thing that you D-A-D-G'd? Can be big, can be small. I'm curious because you said it yourself, take your own advice. When was the last time that you used that? I asked for people in my mastermind group to show up for me. If nobody signed up to my first Claim Your Spotlight workshop, I said, I need bums in seats. I need to get the first one done. So I, I put myself out and I said, hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm 
not a hundred percent sure how the first one is going to go. If nobody shows up, will you be there? People were like, yes, of course. I ended up having nine people show up and I didn't meet them, but I know that they are there for me. I, I asked people to show up. I also, I asked for some permission. I am not as far in the book journey as I want to be. And I asked the same people in my mastermind group, is it okay if I, if I'm not done yet, can you give me some permission? So I, I definitely ask for a lot of things. I, I ask. It's so hard because I ask for so much. And, and I love how true that is to my core. And I don't think I'm a greedy person. I don't think I'm somebody who's, who's manipulative or taking advantage of people. I just ask and my goodness, I am getting, it's magical. It, it felt a little bit like an unfair question to ask because I figured it would be hard for you to remember because it is just so naturally who you are. You mentioned Claim Your Spotlight. We haven't really talked about that on the podcast. I would love, because you've mentioned it and the workshop, talk about this big thing that you have coming in 2021 for our listeners who may not have, have seen it on Instagram. Sure. Claim Your Spotlight is an eight-week program that I'm launching in January, and it is to help people who want to do something big, who have what I call big ambition, and are tired of thinking about doing it and want to actually cross the starting line. It is not a passive program. It's not something that you sit back and I tell you how to do it. It is for people who by the fifth week are ready to record their podcast trailer, put out their landing page, claim their spotlight, say, here's what I'm doing and this is how I'm doing it. It is for leaders and it's for people who have been waiting for so long and are finally ready to, to do what I did, which is claim their spotlight and to know that they have a partner in crime. I have said, I will hold your hand. I will hold your hair. I am there for you when it's easy, when it's hard. And you will leave feeling like I did something and now I'm hungry to keep going. So this is the first formal offering from the Amanda Wagner. And it took me a while to find it. Like I said, we did the podcast, the Instagram, all of this stuff for free, or it cost us money. It cost me money to do. And finally, after a year, I'm going, here's how I'm going to work with other people. Here's how I'm going to make it happen. And I'm so excited about it. I have one seat claimed already for January, and I am just ecstatic to put into a more formal program what this, what this will be and what, what the impact I will, I will be able to have on these individual people who say, I'm done thinking, I'm ready to start doing. Those are all the questions I have prepared. We've been at this for a little while now, but I, I want to have a little bit of open forum here. If there's anything that we haven't covered that you want to put out into the universe, anything from the year that, uh, that we haven't chatted about. So last year, Liz and I did what I called a company photo shoot. And it was Liz and I getting our photos taken. And I always thought that year after year, the company photo shoot would grow. It would be three people. It would be five people. It would be 20 people. And I really had to rethink what scaling looks like and what matters most to me. And so for our company photo shoot this year, it will still just be Liz and I. And 
I am more content with that than I ever have been. And I think it's really important for people who are thinking about scaling. Why do you want it? How do you want to do it? Because it can look so different. And Liz, I think in the beginning, I may have underestimated how integral you are to the process. And let me rephrase. I don't think I underestimate it, but I do have moments of, it's called the Amanda Wagner podcast. It would be very easy for you to go, no, that's not fair. Why isn't my name on it? But you haven't. And so I would love to know why you keep doing this. Why do you stick with it? Because you could walk away. Well, I was interviewing you, so this is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I I just, I love you and support you, and I think you're doing a wonderful thing. And I like bringing my expertise to help you. You know, we are both of the firm belief, do what you're good at and bring in people who are experts to do the rest. And so I respect you bringing me in and I want to use what I know to make the product better. And I just love being part of the team. I'm the compliment is us. Amanda Wagner is us. And I just love being along for the ride and it's fun and it's challenging. And I love the big ideas that you share. So I'm, I'm happy to be your little producer over here and it's, it's fun for me. I'm so glad we've had, we've had future talks. I've said, so mm-hmm. when I am on the stage, when we are in the stadium of 20,000 people and I've asked you, but I don't know if you've ever shared, where are you in that moment? Well, it's funny because I was thinking about this just recently. We have talked about me, you know, I'm just off stage with a headset and a clipboard yeah. in some of the ways when I picture it. But in other times when I picture it, I'm just in the front row. It changes for me, uh, depending upon where AW goes and the role that I play as a friend and as your partner in crime for the business. But I'll be there regardless of what role that is. The way we've always talked about it, you've been girl with clipboard and headset on the side, making sure that everything runs seamlessly. And, uh, And it is so funny to me and not at all surprising that when I meet people who have listened to the podcast, seen us on Instagram, that sort of thing, they always ask about you. And I I love that. It is one of the, the true joys for me is that we've been able to create this together. So yes, it's my name on it. And yes, that is the intention, but it does not mean that you are any less a part of it. And you please know that for everything and anything you do, I'm also in the front row for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I, every time you tell me when someone has asked you how I am, that these people that are strangers to me, it, it, oh, it just makes me so warm inside. I love it so much. Uh, I'm so grateful for the listeners that we have and the community that we've built. But most of all, I'm grateful for you. And this year was an interesting one to say the least, but I think that we've done some beautiful things together and I'm really excited for 2021 and beyond uh, and, and the magical things that we're going to create. I agree. And I hope that your 10 year old self would also be astonished with where you are. I, I couldn't be happier. 
And more than anything, this is, this is an episode I want to do every year. I love the idea of looking back and saying where, where we are. And the reason for this episode is it just marks a really an interesting year, a cool year, um, a terrifying year. And I, I wouldn't have wanted to do it with anybody else. So thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. I think this is a good place to end our interview. And I'm going to pose a question to our listeners today. If your 10-year-old self could see you now, what three words would that 10-year-old use to describe you? I think that's a, that's a good bit of perspective to think about how far you've come and the person that you are and the contributions that you make to the world. So I'd love to know from, from the people listening today what that 10-year-old self would think. Beautiful question. Thank you, Liz, for this interview, for all the prep you did, for sharing openly and, and digging into some of these hard questions, and for always being in my front row. I'm happy to be there. And I'm short, so I don't get in the way of anyone standing. There you go. That's a bonus. Yeah, we are not tall people. We are not tall. <laughs> what a year it has been. Cheers to 2021, my friend. For those of you who have been here since the beginning, thank you for joining us twice a month. We are delighted to be here. We are, of course, continuing. And Liz and I are both taking a break. We are taking a short break. We will be back with a new episode, the first of 2021 on January 13th. We could not be happier. And we of course wish you a wonderful holiday season, whatever that looks like for you. And express so much care, kindness, and gratitude for every like, every comment, every listen, every review, because it, it keeps us going when things feel tough. And when things feel great, it reminds us that we're on the right track. So what I'm going to ask of you in the spirit of don't ask, don't get is take great care of yourself. Listen to and follow things that, that light you up instead of make you feel crappy. And have a wonderful holiday season. Thank you so much for being along for the ride. And we won't be back in two weeks, but we will be back soon. And until then, as always, we will see you on the internet.